Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Samurai Brothers podcast. Uh, This is our uh, recording date is August 14th, Matthew, and uh, we've come come a long way, I think. Episode 22. Episode 22 of um, of the podcast. And, uh, yeah, we had to take a little break trying to get back on track with life a bit after our Hawaii trip. But, you know, we're trying to get things done and all. So lots of, lots of busy things coming up for this, this upcoming uh, fall. Uh, as you know, the main thing, I guess, that'll make us pretty busy is uh, being involved with wrestling things like that because that's when the the wrestling season starts but uh anyway matthew um hope everything has been going well and uh so we've got uh, quite a few things to discuss today in our in our episode and uh i think uh we had a few ufc fight nights that happened and um i believe that you would have watched both of them is that correct um At least one of them. Actually, I had things going on, but I do know what the significance are. So the one that happened, not this weekend, but the previous weekend, is significant in that it's one of the few uh, events with a 100% uh, finish rate. Okay, well, that's quite, that's quite something. You don't see that happen too often or at least you know majority of finishes but uh so after at that least in um, the mod- at least in the modern era because back when you know it was all the events were just tournaments uh you had 100 percent finish rates because that's the only way that the fights could end with the rudimentary rules so but nowadays it's yeah so so in the modern era this is only the second fight to have 100 percent uh finish rate Wow. Okay. And then uh, also, um, as uh, as me and Matthew have been discussing over the, you know, couple of times, uh, I have completed my uh, entry submissions and all that stuff. So I will be competing in the U.S. Sumo Open uh, that's coming up in September. So we'll kind of talk about how things are going with that and how I'm trying to prepare for this type of event. And then uh, Matthew... Um, over the last uh, couple of weeks, he was uh, he took a trip to uh, Las Vegas, and uh, Matthew um, is involved with uh, micronation uh, type stuff. And there was an an a uh, sporting event, so uh, we'll be getting into that, and then we'll close out the episode with the latest chapter of One Piece. This was chapter one thousand and fifty six, and it has significant implications to how the story is going to. Uh, progress in the in the future so it's going to be really interesting to discuss this Matthew I'm sure that and you probably have a lot to say about it on uh, what happened during that episode so let's get right into it then Um, we'll talk about the first event that happened uh, while we were uh, away and stuff and that would be the UFC fight night that happened on August 6th 
at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. And uh, it was deemed Santos versus Hill. So I'll go ahead and, and screen share that so that we can kind of start getting into that really quick. So uh, hopefully, Matthew, you can uh, you can see the uh, the window screen here. Right. Yep. All right. So let's get right into it then. Uh, so we have this. This is the uh, Santos versus Hill. So I'm going to just kind of read through them really quick to see what we had. And then, Matthew, uh, anything that would stand out to you in terms of, you know, what this could mean in terms of ranking or possible challenges for titles uh if you'll fill me in after i go through all the results so in the prelims you had the win women's bantamweight uh mayra bueno silva versus stephanie egger uh silva from brazil egger from switzerland and uh silva had a first round stoppage by submission at one minute and 17 seconds so that's quite something on uh, the next match women's straw weight uh, Corey McKenna of the UK versus Miranda Granger from the US. And uh, this was the second round stoppage and a minute three seconds by submission. So that uh, right there continued the uh, what was happening here. Uh, you had a men's welterweight bout, Brian Battle uh, versus Takashi Sato from Japan. And this was a first round stoppage at 44 seconds by way of knockout slash TKO. Uh, Sam Alvey from the United States versus uh, Mikhail. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce this, but I think it's Alexi. Alexi Jacques is probably how I would pronounce it from Poland. And he got the win in the first round at one minute, 56 seconds by knockout. So this, this was a pretty fast prelims. And I'm very sure that they were probably having issues with trying to keep up with the ads and stuff, the commercials rolling around, uh, as you probably would know, Matthew. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely, because they have to, because you're, if you average it out, um, a fight on average would, it, between the fight and the, um, the, the commercials and everything like that, you would expect it to take up like half an hour, which is why the um, a lot of the televised prelims, uh, they're scheduled for two hours with four fights each. Uh, but if you're like finishing up like this, all of a sudden it's just like, okay, and they might have to start plugging in some of the prelims that took place in the earlier spots, especially when you look at the fact that the prelims were also on ESPN, which makes it kind of challenging uh out, so they basically have to like fill in extra um right and and on commercial a fight time and, and on a fight night they don't have a full you know 15 fights or whatever they're gonna have just you know um a couple a few prelims and then a main card it depends on the fight night because you have to remember fight nights are longer the pay-per-views are only Ha only have five fights nowadays, but the the um, the fight nights are gonna have like six. All right. So the then we got into the 
Yeah, the, the prelims are gonna be a little tad bit longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, the 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 fight nights are usually expected to be a tad bit longer because you're stuffing, you know, a combination of veterans and up and comers onto the 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 same card. So then we had Terrence McKinney of the U.S. versus Eric Gonzalez of the U.S. And again, a first round stoppage by submission at two minutes and seventeen seconds. So Matthew. Um, the average, you know, time of the of these matches probably aren't even going three minutes at this point because five fights in, we've only had one match go a full round of five minutes. All these other ones, you know, are finishing less than three minutes into the, you know, into the fight. So again, this is a real, um, real commercial nightmare for ESPN. I can imagine. Yeah, they're basically having to think, oh my gosh, commercial, commercial, commercial. So and they're having to do long things. They're having to do commentary. They're probably rerunning a lot of the stuff that they're normal ha- normally having to run with like the, the backstage, you know, like interviews and stuff like that. So, the, you know, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's a nightmare because they're having to fill in airtime uh you know for a fight for they're having basically they're having to fill in 25 minutes for a fight that lasted you know less than five and it's just like oh my gosh how are we gonna drag this out so then we'll get into the second uh fight which was agosto sakai from brazil versus sergey spivak from moldova and uh, this one went a little bit longer. It's This is the longest fight of the night so far. Uh, it was a second-round stoppage of a knockout TKO at 3 minutes and 42 seconds of the round. So this is the longest fight so far at 8 minutes and 42 seconds. So then we'll go to the next one real quick. Uh, women's flyweight, Brogan Walker of the U.S. versus Juliana Miller, also of the U.S. And um, I'm going to... Um, um put a common emphasis so this fight and the next fight the heavyweight fight were both the finales for uh this season of the ultimate fighter which was um team uh pena versus team nunez which the coaches fight was the title fight um in the the pay-per-view between amanda nunez and juliana pena so um i'm gonna say that obviously amanda nunez won the coaches fight where she took back the title, but um, this is actually uh, both um, both the women's and the men's heavyweight were won by Team Pena. So in terms of the coaching, uh, Team Pena won. That's right. Juliana Miller uh, scored a stoppage at three minutes, 57 seconds of the third round. So this is... I'm honestly surprised that both of these fights ended in finishes considering most of the fights this season of the of the ultimate fighter were decisions it was kind of i had a lot of other stuff going on which is why i didn't do a uh you know i didn't do weekly reviews i'm just gonna do one block review um sometime this week on mma freak about it but most of the fights were decisions and it's kind of hard to be motivated by a season like that 
But to, you know, it's like you finally ended it with a bang. It's like, why couldn't you guys do this most of the, the season? Mm. All right. So, uh, we have a, this is also, yeah, the heavyweight bout. Mohamed Usman from Nigeria versus Zach Pauga from the U.S. And this was a stoppage by knockout TKO in the second round. 36 seconds in, so that was quite something. Uh, of note, uh, Mohamed Usman is the younger brother of current UFC welterweight champion Kamaru Usman. Mm, okay. So the both Usman brothers are in the UFC now. So, we have a ranked fighter now uh, in the welterweight bout, Jeff Neal uh, of the U.S. versus uh, Vicente uh, Luke, also the U.S., and this was a stop. I believe it is pronounced Luque. Luque? Okay. Yeah. So, third round stoppage, two minutes, one second, knockout TKO. And uh, surprisingly, it looks like uh, Vicente was the, the favorite, which is interesting. But um, you would think that the ranked wrestler fighter is going to be the favorite in this case. But uh, looks like. But still, Jeff Neal as the ranked uh, opponent uh, took out. Uh, well, if there's anything I've learned is that the rankings and the odds making don't always line up. Hmm. Okay. All right. So then uh, this was our main event. Thiago Santos versus uh, Jamal, Jamal Hill in the light heavyweight uh, match. And this was a stoppage, knockout TKO in the fourth round. So this was officially the longest fight of the night. And it was also uh, awarded by uh, Dana, obviously, as fight of the night. And Jamal Hill wins by TKO, knockout, uh, ranked number 10. So, Matthew... Um, Again, now, uh, obviously, there's a lot going on here. So, as you said, this was, uh, you know, uh, probably in the modern era then, that this is the first time that there's been an event that's had full stoppages. Actually, this is the second event. Second event? Yeah, there was one, um, I'd like to say, during the Fox era, where there was a, a 100% finishes, but they don't happen very often. No, especially when you've got because uh, this this card had at least ten ten matches one two three four five six seven eight nine yeah ten yeah so ten matches on the card yeah that's pretty hard to get finishes on all ten so gotta imagine yeah the judge yeah the judges the judges were not being paid to completely score about they were being paid to be there <laughs> but. You yeah, know. easy an easy night for them, definitely. Well, and this is one of those times where you never want to leave it in the hands of the judges. You and I have both watched fights where the judging didn't go, and that's just going to happen because judges are humans, and they're also stuck on specific parts of the cage. So, and they, you know... um, some of them, even to this day, aren't completely, um, you know, um, trained in judging grappling, which I really do think that, you know, you shouldn't, if, if a guy is just purely a boxing judge, he shouldn't be, 
you know, um, scoring an MMA bout. I really do think there should be higher standards for that. And, you know, that has been happening because both Herb Dean and John McCarthy run MMA judging schools, but it's still far from perfect. But, of course, yeah. But, yeah, it's nice to see the, the you know, that, don't they all took don't leave it to the judges to a quite a literal meaning here to an extreme i'd say so uh matthew then um out of out of these fights are there anything related to maybe moving up could these fighters uh jamal hill and jeff neal could they be moving up the rankings not really at this point um Neil is still going up there. He's still kind of an up-and-comer in the UFC. So I would say that um, he's probably not, uh, obviously ranked number 13, he's probably not going to get a title shot uh, in his next match. He'd probably get, you know, in a match or two, he might get a Um, de- like a match or two, he might might determine whether he uh, fights for the title. But he's still up and coming. He's still got, I would say, conservatively at least two more fights. Realistically, probably three or four. So if he can, if he keeps winning, um, contention for the title probably isn't going to happen for I'd say another realistically year and a half off. Okay. But I've been wrong before. All right. Got it. So that, that concludes uh, Santos versus Hill. Uh, and Santos, you know, it previously fought for the title. Um, Hill is another one of those. Um, I can't remember if he was a Dana White looking for a fight guy or if he was a contender series guy, which are other alternative ways in which uh, the UFC nowadays scouts their um, – their their up and coming fighters because it used to be that the ultimate fighter was the sole well not the sole source but it was one of the ways in which they would um mm-hmm. uh pick up fighters and nowadays um it's generally not the most preferred method and it actually went on hiatus shortly after uh the signing with the espn deal so you know it's right. Yeah, so there's there's other ways of, of fighting uh, finding their their fighters, especially because of the fact that you know with the Ultimate Fighter it was only a um, you know it was only one or two weight classes per season. Um, the nice thing nowadays is, is that well, right now we have the Contender Series going underway. And actually, Dana White's been picking less fighters than he was. There were times when he was picking all five fighters on the fight cards. I should note that the Contender Series, they're short fight cards. They're like no more than, I think the largest I've seen is probably six. Mm. And that's large. The average is probably about five. So, you know, last last year he was handing out three, three fight uh Three contracts on the the events, four contracts on the events, five contracts on the events. There was one time where he handed a contract out to a loser. So, 
last year he was going will, all willy nilly, handing out contracts. This year, so far, he's only been handing out like one or two per um, fight card. But I think that partially has to do with the fact that there haven't been a whole lot of finishes this season. And, you know, if these guys have watched the, the, the Contender Series, they know you have to go in there, and if you don't finish, you need to, like, swing for the fences and kind of show you want to be there. Good stuff, good stuff. Yep. Uh, all right, so let's move on to the next fight night that we had, which took place last night, I believe. And that was... Um, Vera versus Cruz, so Dominic Cruz uh, in action. And uh, so let's take a look at what happened here. So uh, so in the prelims, we had Yusuf Zalal from Morocco versus uh, Damon Blackshear from the U.S. And this was a split decision uh, for this fight. And it went, actually it went to a, yeah, it went to a draw. So I don't I don't see draws happening too often in um, in MMA in general. And uh, I, I mean, do they do they still allow them, Matthew? Well, they never dis. Uh, well, let's see. I guess it would depend on when the. Um, I guess it would depend on like the promotion and stuff like that because I think it was almost impossible in the early days of the UFC where they had three judges and it was either a win or a lose. There was no draws. So it's either it's either going to be a two-to-one or three unanimous victory. Um, again, I think in Pride it was almost impossible. Except when they came over to Nevada and they're having to do unified rules. So they had to do the 10 must scoring system. I mean, because... It is it is it is possible to get a draw. If you do like a 10-10 or you have like a 10-8 round and another guy get but the guy comes back and does 10-9-10-9, it's still possible. There are ways in which it's possible, point deduction, you know, whatever it is, it is still possible to have a draw. Okay. And then our our next match which was a catchweight bout. So um, not sure who missed the weight, but uh, this would have been Jason Witt of the U.S. versus Josh Quinlan, also the U.S., um, but it ended up being a first-round knockout TKO at 2 minutes and 9 seconds by Josh Quinlan. And then when we go over to, we have a performance of the night at a flyweight bout, Ode Osborne from Jamaica versus Tyson Nam of the United States. And this ended up being a knockout TKO by Tyson Nam at 2 minutes and 59 seconds in the first round. Uh, at lightweight, we had Gabriel Benitez from Mexico versus Charlie Ontiveros from the U.S. And uh, this was a win at 3 minutes and 33 seconds by knockout TKO by Gabriel Benitez. So, uh, we're going to go up here, and this we have Cynthia Calvillo from the U.S. versus Nina Nunez, also from the U.S., and uh, she won by a split decision, Nina Nunez, that is, won by a split decision. Uh, still 
looks like we're still, yep, still some prelims. So, uh, heavyweight bout, Martin Boudet from Slovakia versus Lukasz Abreski from Poland. And another split decision goes the way of Martin uh, Boudet. And then cat last match of the prelims, uh, Angela Hill of the U.S. versus Lupi Godinez from Mexico. And Angela Hill gets a unanimous decision uh, to take that match. So let me read into here. We'll go right into this really quickly. Uh, main card, Bruno Silva of Brazil versus uh, Ger- Gerald. Uh, I think this is pronounced Mearshart. And he got a, it was Gerard uh, who got the submission in round three, minute 39 seconds. Women's bantamweight, uh, Priscilla, I think it's pronounced Cachoeira from Brazil versus fellow countrywoman Ariane Lipsky, also from Brazil. Uh, But this was finished really quickly, minute and five seconds, knockout TKO for Priscilla Cachoeira. Devin Clark of the United States versus Azamat Mirzakhanov of Russia in the light heavyweight bout. And this was a win for the Russian at one minute and 18 seconds into the third round, knockout TKO. And uh, this is an interesting one, Matthew. Uh, Yasmin uh, Jaragoy from Mexico versus Yasmin Lucindo of Brazil. So it's the battle of the of the uh, Yasmins. Um, anyway, it uh, went the full distance, but it was a unanimous decision for Yasmin Jaraguay of Mexico. And let's get into fight of the night. Bout ended up it being the featherweight bout. Nate uh, Landor from the U.S. versus David Onama from Uganda. And uh, this is interesting because it was a... Looks like this was a decision majority. Now, what's the difference between a split decision and a decision majority? Is there a difference? Because I saw a split decision down here. Yes, this one right here. A split decision is two were... um, were two for one fighter, one for the other fighter. A majority decision is two for one fighter and a draw. So compared to normal, the rest were being very draw happy. Hmm, interesting. And uh, this is our main event, Marlon Vera versus Dominic Cruz in the bantamweight bout. and it ended up being a knockout TKO by Marlon Vera in round four, two minutes, 17 seconds. So, um, Matthew, any, any takeaways from this, from this fight card? From as far um, as most of up? these guys were either up-and-comers or established veterans, and they're, you know, they're either trying to stay in the UFC or they're trying to stay relevant into, in the title picture. Um trying to establish a name for themselves. Um, the only one that had some kind of title implications was maybe the main event, except for the fact that none of these guys are, neither of these guys are ranked. 
Um, Dominic Cruz, we know, of course, is the you know former champion. Marlon Vera is an up and comer. Um, definitely in contendership. I don't know why they aren't listed, but but I've never I've never really considered rankings as as you know. I, I, I do I do it for MMA freak, but I really do think they're kind of arbitrary. But you know, because even Dana White once said um, that the rankings are are you know. Well, the the thing the thing with the UFC rankings is they still get them from journalists. So I could technically, considering I'm a journalist, be you know. Uh, apply to and do contribute to the ranking, the UFC rankings. So they're, they're arbitrary. They're based off of opinion. That's that's kind of how things go. But, you know, any ranking system is based off of opinion, really. So um, okay. I, I would say if this doesn't get him into the next spot for challenging um who's the champion right now good question <laughs> since i don't follow it too much <laughs> let's see davidson ficaredo is the flyweight champion alexander volkanovsky oh Aljamain Sterling. Um, I, I mean, it, it moves him closer to challenging uh, Aljamain Sterling for the uh, for the title. Um, does this get him the next title shot? I'm not completely certain, but he's definitely within that range. If this isn't, if this doesn't get him the title shot, I would say next win or two. All right. So obviously after, he has to keep winning. So I would say if he keeps winning within the next year, year and a half, he'll be challenging for a title. All right. So Matthew, what is the next um, big event for the next next big event is actually um, the next pay per view, which is uh, UFC two seventy eight. And it's uh, Kamar Usman versus uh, Leon Edwards, too, because I think these two fought. Bef- these two fought when they were n- not. Um, when uh, Usman was not the champion, this is Leon Edwards' first uh, title shot, and um, yeah, they fought back in 2015, so seven years ago, man. Where did the time go? So, uh, yeah, uh, I would. I'm gonna make a prediction that I think it's it's gonna be Usman. I think he's just on a roll right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see how long he can he can reign as champion. Let's see. Um, I don't think he is quite near. Um, GSB's, yeah, he's defended one, two, three, four, five. I don't, let's see, how many times did GSP defend? I'd like to say that, it's, I, I'd like to see that GSP's uh, streak was like eight or something like that. 
So, um, Usman's not there yet. Um, I would say he could get there. Uh, whether he would keep going after that is another thing entirely because, um, you know, GSP just got burnt out essentially, which is why he didn't, um, why he didn't bother to defend the, that it's the middleweight was another thing entirely. He just got burnt out after the Johnny Hendricks fight. And that's, you know, he was, he was, he needed time away and then he experimented in, um, in the middle oh yeah and acting and then he comes back and he wins the middleweight <laughs> and just retires after that um let's see paula costa versus luke rockhold luke rockhold what has luke rockhold been doing you know, i don't know why he keeps on fighting i mean he's he's done a lot of modeling okay so we got a lot of Jose Aldo versus Marab Davishvili. This could be another one of those passing of the torches because Marab Davishvili, um, I watched that episode of Dana White uh, searching for a fight um, back when I kept watching the show. I probably should maybe try to start watching it again. I don't have to play a lot of catch up though, because I just I just got I just got burnt out watching it after a while. But. Um, Marcin Tibera, Alexander Romanov. Um, there's a decent number of uh, up-and-comers and, -comers and um, veterans. Decent number. Yeah, looks like it's going to be interesting. All right. Well, good to know. Um, anything coming up in uh, Bellator before we move on to our next? Uh... Uh, Bellator just had a Friday night event, which I did watch. Um... I just watched that. Why in the heck am I drawing a blank on that? Um... Oh, uh, Neiman Gracie. You may not know the first name. The second, the last name should be very familiar. Okay, so he's part of the Gracie clan. Yeah, um, I, I, I'd like to say he might be Henzo's son. But, uh, yeah, so Neiman Gracie, who has challenged for the belt or title, he's not gotten quite up there yet. He's just, it's like it's like he gets close to the title and then it's like when he's in the title fight he chokes. But he's definitely been one of the more high profile Gracies in recent years. For some reason in the modern like true mixed martial arts era, they haven't been able to excel because well let's face it they're grapplers. It's just adjusting and getting their their striking in has been the problem. It's and it seems like Neiman has been the one who's like that close to like getting up there. Though to be fair, Hojer Gracie was a, a champion in one FC. So maybe maybe he could be considered. But yeah, nowadays it's Neiman. Neiman is like essentially the next hopeful Gracie, but he uh, hit a little bit of a roadblock when he lost to uh, Goiti Yamauchi. All right. Well, 
Have to see how things are going to go then, right? Yeah. Um. Let's see. The next one is going to be next month because right now they're just doing a one a month. All right. I think in the fall they'll start doing a like twice a month. One thing always to remember about Bellator, they don't have as deep a roster. The UFC has... Oh boy. Um quite a quite a roster. I would say like a 500 fighter deep roster. Yeah. Bellator maybe has 200, maybe. PFL, oh, which um uh they had their what finals this last weekend? semifinals for welterweight and I'd like to say light heavyweight and Rory McDonald lost and retired all right well let's let's start moving into the next uh, top oh Beltor uh, oh PFL next weekend um Kayla Harrison is of course going for um I believe championship season number three. Got she it. needs to win that fight to get into the finals. All right, so let's move into that. So that concludes our MMA talk uh, for this uh, for this episode. So, Matthew, let's get into uh, uh, an interesting event coming up, and that is going to be the U.S. Sumo Open, uh, the twenty second uh, tournament. Uh, according to the website, of, and of note, that's not sequential because. For obvious reasons, um, 2020 didn't happen. Uh, actually, it did. It did? Yes, it did. Under what conditions? Like, was there no one there? They, they had no spectators. Had no spectators, and they had it in a very smaller, like, gym kind of place. So it was like, so like a dojo almost. Yeah, literally. So, anyway... Um, and then they had it at a, um, so I'm impressed because th there wasn't a sumo world championship in 2020, right? I don't know. I'd have to go back and double check, but apparently, yeah, they had this one. So anyway, um, traditionally it's always been held at, uh, Walter pyramid, which is the gym for Cal state long beach in Cal in Southern California. So they will be so last two years they did not have it at this um, arena, but uh, this year it is coming back to Cal State Long Beach. So that's going to be an interesting thing. So I'm excited about it because going to be able to again. Uh, I was able to get my submission paperwork in and stuff, so I'm signed up. I'm good to go. I will be competing in the middleweight class which is up to 100 kilos which is 220 pounds so i'm excited to see how that did i did go to the practice today and you had like yamamoto yama was there again um he's called he goes by yama now uh which means mountain so an interesting uh thing and uh got to learn more stuff and had some interesting matches today so i'll be excited to see how it's going to go from there um, I'm thinking if I can at least get uh, you know one or one win at this event, I'll be really happy. Uh, since I only started, you know, doing this, this is only my second practice today. 
But uh, I'm really excited about this. But uh, yeah, just and to kind of. And the last time before that that you practiced sumo was when you were literally a kid. Uh, yeah, in, in that sense, yes, that would be correct. So yeah, I, I should know because I was at that same practice. Yeah. So anyway, just a bit of some pictures of what you can expect to see. And there will be international competitors there. Uh, apparently, you know, like uh, there's going to be a Mongolian team there. So that should be interesting. And then uh, a couple of teams from Europe, apparently, and uh, maybe even some teams from South America. So I didn't know that the U.S. Open was this big of a tournament. So it sounds like the biggest thing outside of uh, the actual world championship. So, so yes. And, and one thing, well, although one thing you got to you got to know about this is that um so i'm in a lighter weight class so my weight class is apparently not going to be that big um you know so hey maybe i might have a chance at uh at placing somewhere um and you can probably guess that the, the i'm kind of surprised considering that there's been some notable um sumo nikishi well, in your your weight range yeah, but how many of them get up into the Sekitori ranks? That's that's a whole other ball game. Like the guy who would be in the same, technically in the same weight class as me, is Enhol. Oh, okay. All the other guys, like you know, all the other, you know, like Ishiura, Kotoeko, um, Tobizaru. You know, those guys are weighing more than two hundred and twenty. They're more like two hundred and fifty. So be they'd be like light heavyweight. You know, if they were competing in this tournament. So there's that. Um, I do have the, and uh, you might not be able to see the, uh, you know, the. Uh, so this is the flyer, and it features uh, two wrestlers who matched up last year. Um, and apparently, this was the heaviest matchup in the history of the uh, of the event, because. Um, Actually, uh, on the right you have, uh, and I, I've, I've been, I've been able to meet this uh, person at the practices, and this is Jose Galindo. So he won the um, the heavyweight and the open weight tournaments for two years running, which is, you know, uh, that's that's pretty good, <laughs> you know. So and and um, I think. This, uh, the wrestler on the left is, uh, from Europe, but anyway, he's, he's a, you know, ranked guy in the, you know, worldwide. So, you know, you got like 900 pounds clashing. <laughs> so, I mean, remember, remember, um, gosh, what was his name? Emmanuel Yarbrough, Matthew? Yeah. He yeah, was eight, he was eight hundred pounds when he won the world championship. Certified as the the largest athlete ever. As certified, you know, because hey, he was in pretty decent shape, I would think. But anyway, R.I.P. to Emmanuel. But. I don't know if you could call a man who's eight hundred pounds de in decent shape. <laughs> anyway, so I'm excited. To see what's going to happen, there's like, going to be. A I'm, su I'm surprised that he was able to move around, let alone win a win a. Uh, yeah. 
world world, <laughs> world title. Yeah, world title. So anyway, a couple more weekends before the before the event. So it will be on September 10th at Long Beach State Altar Pyramid. So um, I think when we put this video up, uh, we'll try and if, if you're interested in coming to watch, you know, please. Please do come watch it. Uh, you know, you get to see some some. Uh, you know, you'll get to see some pretty good guys coming in because you know a lot of these international wrestlers will be, you know, world ranked wrestlers and stuff. So that's pretty something. Uh, we'll 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 put a link in the in the description for the U.S. Um, sumo event if you're interested in uh, buying tickets to it. Like I said, I might I might have to attend next year. Or so yeah, if, Matthew, I am I am compete. I I am trying to um uh, I I actually asked if if you know maybe there's some sumo clubs up in your area, and um apparently there's two brothers they have a makeshift dojo but they're in Bakersfield so I don't know if that's gonna be uh you know how long does it take for you to get to Torrance? Uh, it took me I think like 35, 45 minutes. So, yeah, it, it takes an hour to get to Bakersfield. Yeah, I mean, if you're serious about it, you know, definitely you learn, you learn stuff. Hey, maybe if you're visiting down one time, maybe we'll actually, because you'll need a Mawashi. So we could just get you the Mawashi while you're down. <laughs> we can go to a practice. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm, I'd like to see you uh, get out there. Yeah. I think that would make more sense. I did actually lose a little bit of weight. Not that that really helps me because I forgot. What's what's the lightweight division? So the lightweight division is 85 kilos and below, which I believe if I were to calculate that. One eighty seven. Oh, yeah, I'm 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 well below that. So you could. I yeah, I recently lost five pounds and I'm down to like 179 right now. So oh, good for weigh, you. Yes, weigh-in weigh-ins for that would not be an issue. Yeah, I think in my case, I would probably. Well, obviously I'll be middleweight this year, but if I want to get on track, and then maybe I can be, you know, I'll be lightweight for next year. So. We'll see. We'll I see forgot how... you. I forgot you walk around at like what two hundred right now. I think yeah. Last time I was on the scale, I was two hundred. So getting... that's that's only thirteen pounds. Yeah, in a in a year. Yeah. Yeah. That won't be. Interesting. And if you absolutely had to, you could get down to maybe one ninety, and then you just don't eat or drink for. You I'd know, rather, I'd rather evening. not do that. But you'd rather not go back to weight cutting. No, well, right now I'm I'm starting off. I'm exercising and stuff. I'm doing some exercises, you know, in the evenings. Um, I really want to get back into the gym though, so I can lift weights. And then uh, I think though, definitely, you know, even though sumo is like really quick type stuff, from what I've been learning about going to these practices and stuff, and and you know, normally it's you know. It almost runs like Japanese Keiko, where, you know, you'll have two wrestlers that'll go at each other for maybe three or four matches. And that can really gas you. 
once you start getting into that third or fourth match. So definitely, you know, cardio is an issue. If, if you want to really, you know, um, that's why sumo wrestlers try to finish their matches really quickly. Because if you end up, you know, going the distance, that's going to really take the wind out of you. So I would definitely... Well, the thing about sumo is that it's pretty much an anaerobic um, sport. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not... You're using your muscles a lot, which is... Let's face it, when we were wrestlers, cardio is king. Yes, it was. It's like strength definitely plays a factor, but cardio is king. So... Oh, so yeah, here here they are. Jose Galindo, uh, 6'1", 420 pounds, uh, heavyweight gold and open weight gold in 2020 and 2021. And then Rami Elgazar, who was his opponent, 6'3", 492 pounds. <laughs> and he took the heavyweight gold in 2015, but he's had, he's medaled nine times. So, you know, again, yes, that was 900 pounds, you know, clashing. You know, you want to talk about Clash of the Titans, Matthew. Yeah, that's that's a literal <laughs> Clash of the Titans there. So, anyway. Mongolian, 181, 5'3". Oh, so he's like me. Means he's probably, yeah, a bit buff. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, a couple of these guys. So, it'll be interesting to see how this is really going to go down. But, uh, so I'll keep you fourth posted. Games fourth. Yep. Heavyweight silver, 21. All right. So, yep, that's how that is going. So, Matthew, let's get into your your event that you had. which was uh, your attendance of the Micronation Olympics that happened. Uh, well, the primary event that I was going to was MicroCon, which is short for Micronational Convention this year. But yeah, one of the events that was held there uh, was the... Um, it functioned as the Micronational Olympics, but it was officially called the uh, Nemean Games. Okay. And that's actually based off of... So the ancient Olympic Games was actually part of what was called the Olympic Cycle. So um, the Olympics would... So the Olympic Cycle would actually end on the fourth year with the Olympics. So the first year of the rotation, you had two festivals that happened every two years. One of them was called the Nemean Games. I don't know what the second one was called, or I forgot. Then you had another event the second year that happened every four years, just like the Olympics. Again, I forget what it was called. Then you had the third year, which was the Nemean Games, and then another event. And then you had the Olympics. So the Nemean Games were named after that two-year cycle, which made more sense because 
aside from next year, Microcon takes place every two years. Hmm. Interesting. <clears throat> but yes, uh, basically it signaled my return to the mat after, let's see, 2011. So 11 years. Gosh, it's really been 20, 11 years. So you last wrestled when you were at MOBAP, and then you didn't really wrestle that. You didn't no, really. I, no, I didn't. I didn't hit the mat after that. I coached for a few years, and then, you know, I just concentrated on working. Okay, and yeah. So uh, anyway, so how did you do? Because uh, I know that. Well, there was only one other guy in the wrestling category, so there were originally planned five events. There was wrestling. Uh, shot put with a tennis ball, discus with a frisbee, the 50 meter dash, and there was going to be um, five aside soccer, but um, the official forgot to bring the soccer ball. <laughs> so we just had four events, not including bowling the last day. Mm. So did you compete in all of them? Uh, yes, I competed in all the events. Um, so that's how I did in, um, wrestling. Oh, good for you. I had one other guy. He'd only done varsity wrestling one year, uh, in high school. And I took him down and pinned him in 10 seconds. So what was the style? Freestyle. So it was freestyle, okay. Yeah, it says right Oh, there. okay, I didn't see that. Yeah, okay. And then uh, there is actually video of this. Um, oh, so will you be putting it up on, on, the, on our channel? Here, um, what, of you? Uh, well, no, there isn't video of the, um, the, the match, but there is video of uh, this event. Oh, the... Uh, can't oh the 50 meter yeah okay so you meddled in that one yes five guys and i managed to finish well to be fair so this is interesting one of the guys who was there is an actual certified track and field official so he actually um ran the the three track events and um the um the 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 uh 50 meter dash there was a shove so one of the guys got dq'd oh really yes which is why i ended up in third oh gosh okay by the way well, who, they were who, all pretty close so who did you get to officiate the uh, the wrestling match uh one of one of the other guys oh did he have knowledge of wrestling the basic knowledge yeah <laughs> okay all so, right yeah that that was that was yeah that was my return to wrestling and next year we're um apparently because of how well it what it went um we it is gonna come back next year and it will there will be more events added, and um, uh, I met this one gal um, who apparently wrestled in Germany. Oh, really? 
Uh, yeah, she was a military brat just like us. So she did whatever the European version of that was. I don't. I don't know how. Should have been freestyle. Oh, it was freestyle. So she she yeah. says she's interested in competing next year. Hopefully, there's. Hopefully, there'll be someone who will be her opponent. So. Um, the plan is that it would probably be an open division. Mm, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Because there's just not a whole lot of people. Well, okay, so you had fun at this, at, at, at MicroCon then. Yeah, and then the rest of the, the rest of it went pretty well, and it was, it was fun, and, um, I got this. That's the, the metal, or the? Here, let me let me take it out of the thingy. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, so here's the thing about the Namian games. I was the organizer. Good for you. Yeah, so I got this for organizing the event. And I also got a friendship medal from one of the other nations for organizing the event. So, good for you. Good yeah, it was, it was like one of five decorations, or I got, I got, I, yeah, I got like five awards um, there. Uh, two of them were because of my organizing the Nemean Games. So. All right. All right. And then uh, and then there was bowling the last day, and I made it an official event, and um, I I got two over a hundred games. Good for you. I always consider an, a, an over a hundred game to be a successful game. In my yes. Book. Yeah. Same here. So. Anyway, well, good yeah, for that. Yeah but, so. the, yeah, but the winners were like in the one thirties and one. 50 uh 140s so well matthew you'll have to update us uh the next next year when when the event happens again and we'll have to see how your endeavors go but uh hopefully matthew you can look forward if you're hopefully this will inspire you to try and do some more freestyle events and stuff too like i'll trying to be doing well, it would depend on the availability over here because I have no idea if there's any open tournaments around here. Yeah, I can I can send you that stuff definitely. Um, I think though, un unlike down here, you probably don't have the luxury of only having to travel like, you know, 20, 30 minutes to an event. You might have to drive an hour, an hour and a half. Something like that. I'm serious about it, but we'll see. All right. Well, Matthew, let's close out this episode with the one and only One Piece. And uh, chapter 1056, uh, yeah. it happened two weeks ago. Uh, actually, no, last week. I'm sorry. La it, it happened last week. Um, there, was not one, there was not one this week. Yeah, Shonen Jump is taking their Obon um, holiday uh, this week. So that's why 
uh, none of the series had a had a chapter going. So, oh, oh, that's oh, that's why they were doing that. Okay. Right. Yeah. So the publication uh, took a break. Oh yeah. But anyway, so Matthew. Yeah. So I think we really have to. You know, we, there's a lot to digest with what happened in this chapter. So I think one of the, the I think some of the easy stuff to you know see from what happened here so i'm i'm pulling up the wiki right now um and just kind of go over some of the bullet points about this but so i guess uh, a couple of the 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 big reveal i'm gonna leave for last because that's definitely i think you know what i'm talking about yeah and um so let's kind of go over some of the stuff that's going to happen with the actual like it with wano and with the with the um with the straw hats in general, you know, some of the, the local stuff that's that's happening. So, uh, you know, basically, you know, Rokugyu is gone, you know. Shanks convinced him to leave the island, so it looks like Luffy and company won't have to fight. You know, now that now that we have the, the monster quartet, <laughs> they were ready to go out, but, you know, it's... Uh, I think they would have taken out Rokugyu. They've gotten oh, to that... I don't well, I mean, yeah, for Luffy, uh, for Luffy to be on his feet so quickly like that, he, that means that, you know, he's had to grow a lot more in terms of, you know, recovery and stuff like that. I mean, so it wasn't, I, I'm not going to say it wasn't an easy, well, obviously it wasn't an easy battle. I mean, you're taking out, you're taking on a couple of Yonkos for crying out loud. And he was out for, what, two, three days? Okay, after? yeah, yeah. So, so he was out. So, you know, he was kind of unprotected. So that's, I, I think, for for the scabbards and Momonosuke to stall Rokugyu to the point that, you know, Shanks was able to come in and convince him to stop. Uh, but even then, yeah, I think you're right. Luffy and Zoro and Sanji and Jinbei, they would have been ready to go. They were ready to go. If, if it hadn't turned out, if, it, if things had gone south, they were ready to go. And again, this is, it's not the monster trio anymore. Now it's the, the monster quartet. <laughs> I can't and two, imagine. two of them have conquerors. Yeah, so I can't, I can't imagine what, probably one of, what the reason, one of the reasons why Dokugyu left was because he couldn't handle Shanks' conquerors hockey. Yeah, so, and kind of makes me wonder about, you know, like with the other admirals, you know, but I got to imagine, you know, at least one of, one of the current admirals, and that includes Sakazuki, one of them is bound to have Conqueror's hockey. Uh, but obviously, I think by seeing the uh, you know Rokugyu withdrawal, not every ad not every admiral is going to have Conqueror's hockey. Well, we've talked about it because you know you know we've only seen armament from. We've only seen armament so far, and I'm now, armament the, and observation from right. the admirals. Right. So it's a, it's a requirement for for at, if you're gonna now obviously I think it goes like rear at, commodore, rear admiral, vice admiral, and then admiral. And in order to become an admiral, you have to have some form of some form of hockey. And, uh, I, I think, don't know how you can make it to vice admiral and not have some kind of hockey. 
Yes, that's very well. No, like, I, I, I don't know if that's possible. There may be more vice admirals, but I, I legitimately don't know how it's, it's possible because th- you're not talking about, you know. Well, no, no, no. In order to be at the admiral rank, doesn't matter which admiral it is, you have to have hockey. Oh, which which kind of makes some of the filler kind of questionable. Well, filler is non-canonical, so yeah. I don't even worry about the filler. <laughs> um, Wait, so even to get at the Commodore, so one-star Admiral rank? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Which is why, you know, what was it? Remember the one... Commodore that was taken out by um, Arlong's team. I think his name was like Pudding Pudding or something like that. Yeah, again. But that, but he wasn't filler. He was in the manga. So he probably, he probably had like armament. But um, yeah, but that does nothing if you're being taken on by. Fishmen at you know in their the, territory. Yeah, yeah, in their territory, they tore a ship apart. Mm-hmm. Yep. And once it's like it's like armament, armament is like only good at a certain capacity. So. Right. So anyway, so it looks like peace has been restored. But then the the next big thing about what's going on in Wano is that Momonosuke and Hiyori have met. Kozuki Sukiyaki. So, and, uh, you know, I think. And have the vassals. And the vassals. You know, Sukiyaki's been kind of beating himself up about not being able to do anything for the past, you know, 20 some odd years. But hey, you know, you can only do so much, especially with your, when you're in prison. But again, here's the funny thing that was happened was pretty much all the scabbards knew that the Tengu was Sukiyaki, except for Kinemon. <laughs> Who once again misses out on a lot of things and doesn't realize, you know, what's happening. So again, he did not realize that the Tengu was uh, Sukiyaki. <laughs> so that's a that's a funny thing there. But um, here's here's something that I think will be a serious implication about this meeting now between Kozuki Sukiyaki and. Momonosuke and Hiyori, because that means, and and I think you know this, Matthew, Sukiyaki is the same as Robin. He has the ability to read the Poneglyphs, because he taught that to Odin. Not just that, but he has the knowledge of how to create a Poneglyph, because yes. only the Shoguns of Wano knew how to create that. So we thought that with, we originally thought with Tsukiyaki's passing, that that knowledge had gone extinct. Well, well yeah, well, and Odin, well, Odin had that knowledge, too. Yeah, so uh, we, th- yeah, and we had, knew- right, Tsukiyaki had supposedly died, and then Odin was executed, which meant that the, that technology, that knowledge was basically extinct for Wano. But because of this, because of the fact that now Tsukiyaki is alive, and now that he has these, you know, meetings, he, he's now met his grandkids that, hey, this could definitely be something for for the future. I mean, if 
there is the need to create a poneglyph, but definitely, you know, I think that, you know, Sukiyaki should not waste this opportunity to teach his grandkids about how to read the poneglyphs. And to be able to, if if nothing else, at least have pass on the knowledge of creating it. You don't have to create a poneglyph, but you need to pass that knowledge on. Right, right. So that's that's an interesting thing. Um, and then the other thing, so, and it looks like um, Tsuru, who was the wife of Kinemon, she now knows that um, she's alive. And, well, and she knows that he's alive, too, so... Looks like they're going to be reunited here soon, so that's that's a good thing. And uh, so, and then here's the thing that has implications for the makeup of the Straw Hats going forward. So, we saw that you know because Sukiyaki's around, and because there's a need to protect Momonosuke, so you know the scabbards, the ones who are left, and it's basically. Right, so Inuarashi and Nekomamushi are abdicating their positions on Zo, and they will stay in Wano, uh, you know, as part of the scabbard, because that's what they were. But that means that they have, of all the people, designated that Carrot will become the new ruler of the Momoko Dukedom, which is the kingdom on uh, Zo. And uh, I think kind of in a way it's like, you know, it's kind of a bit bittersweet in the fact that, you know, hey, that this means that we're, you know, we're not going to see her on the on the with the straw hats going forward, you know, in the series, because um, I think that there's just too much implications there that we're seeing with that, which is, uh, you know, unfortunately, I would have loved to see Carrot, you know, as part of the uh, the crew, because there were so many things that were going for to. her. Sorry. So many things pointing towards it. Right. There were so many hints and indications that, hey, she probably had a very good chance of becoming a part of the of the crew. But, you know, it is what it is. That's how Oda's going to write it. You know, I'm not going to really, I'm not going to, you know, complain about it and stuff. I'm a bit disappointed that that's how it's going to go. But, you know, you can only do so much, right? Yep. Um, but what that means, though is that Yamato, on the other hand, she has made her decision. And she is planning, you know, uh, she's like running off at the end, but she is planning on becoming a part of the of the Straw Hats because she wants to live like Oden did, which means that my take then would be that she's going to be the log keeper. Now, you've got Nami, who's the navigator, so she makes maps, but but it's different. That's a different position. So a log keeper, which is what Odin was doing, you know, he was keeping logs of the journey. So I got to imagine that's what's going to be Yamato's role um, going forward. Um, yeah, and Rob, Robin's archaeological role is also different. Right, correct. So it does look like the three women who will be on, on the on the straw hats are going to be taking on i don't know if i would say that they're administrative rules more like they're record there's various record keeping that's involved with their duty. that's essentially administrative roles okay yeah so that's that's where that is going um but they're all not 
um, you know, inept. Right. I mean, Nami is still co- technically the weaker of the three, but she's not completely inept. She's probably the... She's, she's one of the smartest of the crew. Yeah. Definitely. Because of all the studying she had to do, Robin, all the studying she had to do and stuff, so... Um, anyway, well, and and let's let's face it, uh, Nami had that moment to shine where she was about to get headbutted to death, literally, and she she stood her ground and was Biology. like, and was like, Luffy will not stop until he is the king of the pirates. Yeah, but yeah. I think she's a little bit stronger with Zeus now. Yeah, so it looks like Zeus is back in her possession, so that's, you know, and uh, so that's another way of of, uh, improving her technology. And again, this is technology that Usopp produced. Yeah. The irony of that. (laughs) Um, But we do know that uh, Pluton is on Wano, and... Didn't Robin reveal that to... um... Yeah, she revealed that to um, the rest of the the crew, so they know. Yeah, Frankie's like, what? Yeah. So uh, Shinobu has uh, become younger. Apparently, she's taking on Tama uh, to be an apprentice apprentice. in Jutsu. So, and then uh, I think the other thing is that the three the three worst generation crews are. Deciding where to go. Yep, they are they are going along. So the Straw Hats and Heart Pirates are going their separate ways because the reason why they made that alliance was to take down Kaido. And I'll tell Get you, pirates Matt, too. You know the, the the irony of it all was that I don't think Law Law definitely did not think that things were going to turn out the way that they did. Yeah, the whole reason why he was doing it was he wanted to hurt the Flamingo. Flamingo, and it went further than it did he but he was a man of his word and he was like i gotta finish this to the end so so and then law was a little bit nice because he gave a kid a copy of the road poneglyph so i guess you know it's uh yeah but do yeah but does law and kid have the copies of the rest of the pon- uh, real poneglyphs that's a good question. Because if they only have that one copy, then... They're a little bit behind. Yeah. Luffy's got what? Three three copies? Uh, like the three ro- road pawn glyphs? Yeah, because what does he have? He's got the one from Wano. Right? He's got the one from... Big Mom's. Big Mom. Wasn't number three on, uh, on um, Fishman Island? I don't know if it was Fishman Island or maybe it was Zoe. Let's see here. Where are they? Okay. Ella. Poneglyph. Road Poneglyph. So, let's see here. Yeah, the one in Zoe. So that's 
which I got to imagine then that means that um, Law would have gotten a copy of the one in Zoe, definitely. And then whether or not, you know, um, the Straw Hats share Big Mom's uh, road poneglyph with Law is a whole nother story. So that'll be that'll be interesting. And then they mentioned a man with a burn scar that could be the key to the war for the One Piece, which I'll have to go back and read that again because I think I completely missed that. Um, I'm not sure what that even means, to be honest. Really can't tell. There's, there's several guys with burn scars. That could, yeah. that could mean anything. All right. So... Let's get into the closeout, <laughs> the closeout of this chapter. And um, <laughs> so this would explain why Buggy became an emperor. So let's get right into it, Matthew. Um, Buggy founded a group, and it's called Cross Guild. Now, what's interesting about this Cross Guild is that they... Like the Marines put out um, bounties for pirates and they go after them, what's interesting about this organization is that they, in turn, will put out bounties on Marines. And I think that's a way of trying to, I don't know if that's a way to... Level the playing field. Level the playing field, maybe intimidate uh, some of the Marines. You know, that might be something... Um, so, you know, that means that, hey, you're probably going to have bounty hunters now because bounty hunters really aren't bound to the law, per se, so they could be going after... Well, let's face it, the only bounty hunters we ever saw in the story was Zorro pre-joining the Straw Hats. And then Johnny and Yosaka. Yeah, and then Johnny and Yosaka. It's, it's like bounties just... Uh, it's like, let's face it. Who who is a bounty hunter? Very like true. I couldn't. I, like unless unless uh, Blackbeard got Ace's bounty. I mean, so like, Matthew, that's what um, I think of like like Buggy did with the Buggy's delivery service. You know, he recruited several powerful pirates to the organization, which, and in, in that way, it it. You know, led the led the world government to recognize him as a shibukai at that time. Uh, but then, once his shibukai privileges were revoked, uh, he kind of had to think of some alternative methods to try and stay out of stay out of trouble. So, now we thought, you know, well, let me go with the first uh, surprising reveal of who ended up, and I I see this. I don't see them as these individuals as having submitted to Buggy as much as being in an. This is definitely an alliance because these pirates, you know, their caliber, they're not submitting. They're to high Buggy. above Buggy. So our first, uh, our first pirate, infamous pirate who joined with Buggy would be Luffy's first, um, you know, Shibukai. Um, encounter encounter well actually more uh no actually no i should say his encounter fight 
and that would be Crocodile. And we knew Crocodile was going to be in the New World, and and I'm very sure that 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 this means that Cross Guild also has Das Bonus with him, uh, because Das Bonus was going to follow Crocodile into the into the New World. So the fact yeah, they that had, Crocodile they, they had a mutual respect relationship that just did not apply to anyone else in um in what's it called in uh alabasta or in no in 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 baroque works they they had a mutual respect for each other that just could you know he basically because yeah they had a mutual respect for each other where it's like you know essentially does bones followed crocodile's every orders and crocodile clearly valued him as a um yeah, as a Oh yeah, that is another worry. thing is that is another thing is the fact that Baroque works were made up of um they yeah, they were made up of bounty hunters. Yeah. That's right. So. Maybe that's another thing is that um Buggy is utilizing that former Baroque works network. Maybe. I mean, Crocodile may have some I mean, we know that most of the the um the what's it the called officer the, most yeah. of the um, officer agents were basically chilling out in. Were, were they chilling out in Alabasta? What the, I that think what they, they were at first, and then a couple of them got captured and taken to a marine base. And then I think. Where are they I'm chilling not, now? That's a good question. Um, because let's see here. Well, okay, take, we know that Bond Clay is in Impel Down in level what right. four point five. Yeah. We know that uh what's number three's actual name? Mr. Three? Um Mr. Three. Gosh, it, it's on the tip of my Yeah, it's on the tip of my tongue too. It starts with a it starts with a uh oh yeah, Galdino. Yeah, Galdino just automatically joined um so Buggy. you got to imagine Galdino is in there, too, because it's going to be the remnants of Buggy's delivery service. So you're going to have those level six, you know, those level six. Um, what do you call those? The level you're gonna, six. You're going to have Alvita. You're going to have his his former crew. Right. Well, yeah. Mom, uh, Moji and um, Kabaji. Yep. Or, yeah. Moji and Kabaji were his two. Uh, right hand man plus the lion and then you got Galdino was also in there um and then uh you know yeah Alvita uh, was also in there too so then um but other than that when it came to the let's see here okay so yeah, what was really funny is when they did that post, you know, the the short story thing that Oda did, and that ended up revealing. I, I don't know if that actually was the one that revealed all their names and stuff. Uh, but I think probably the Vivri cards were the ones where they, you know, you'll get a lot of people whose names are revealed because of the Vivri cards. Uh, but anyway, Zala was Miss Doublefinger, and she was the one running the, the Spider's Cafe. Now, let me see here. So, yeah, what they did was they they made a new Spider's Cafe, and 
Let's see here. So, okay. Did it list where? According to the wiki, it says that it's on an unknown island. So they're not on Alabasta anymore. And judging by how things, how well things are going for them out there at the end of their story, uh, I doubt that they're going to leave that anytime soon. Yeah, because let's see, that that little group consisted of. You had uh, so the the names. The names, okay, so their, their new names revealed are, you got Zala, who was Ms. Doublefinger. Doublefinger. Double you had Marianne, who was Ms. Whatever Galdino's partner agent name was. Um, gosh, now I gotta look. Oh, I wasn't it like Golden Week or something like that? Yeah, Ms. Golden Week. Yeah, yeah, she was Ms. Golden Week. So you got, you got, I don't know if this is pronounced Babe or Bobby, but that was Mr. Four. Um, and then Drophy was um, Miss Merry Christmas. Uh, Miksta was Miss Valentine. Jem was Mr. Five. And then Lasso is also with them, who was the, the dog. dog. Yeah. So they're just all chilling at the... the they're all chilling at, at the new Spiders Cafe, you know. So, well, but anyway... As I recall, didn't they give um, Daz, Bones, and Crocodile the chance to, to join them? And they just decided, them, oh, yeah, you know, we're decided, just going to chill. Yeah, we're going to chill out at, um, you know, Impel Whatever the main base what they were at. Yeah. So anyway, so there we are. We got Crocodile. You know, in an alliance, I'm I'm calling this an alliance. It's definitely not. He's working for. Yeah, because there's no way that it's like he look. We all know based off of the impel downbreak, he 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 looks down upon buggy. He which I think now, is I, I I I think is definitely not unjustified. He's leagues above buggy in terms of skills. Here's so, here's, and then Mihawk just destroyed both of them. Oh yeah, we didn't talk. Oh yeah, did did I spoil that? Yeah. So our our second our second person, we thought he was gonna make an alliance with Shanks, but it's Mihawk, Draco Mihawk, the former the strongest swordsman in the world, has also joined Cross Guild. So you got basically you got three Shibukai in the mix, three, but you've got the strongest swordsman in the world. So, I think, I think, you know. And, and founder of Baroque Works. Right. So, here's, here's the thing. Here's how I think that they all kind of got together. Because they were, what's the one place that they were all at at the same time, Matthew? Um, Marineford. Yes, Marineford. They're all there. So, Again, I don't know how Buggy contacted them unless it was the other way around. I'm very sure that Buggy was trying, you know, Buggy obviously, because he was in the middle of trying to sneak out the back door during, you know, the, the Marine invasion, um, you know, of Buggy's delivery service. He had to have contacted them. There's, there's no reason why. That or you do Mihawk know that. Or, or Crocodile would reach out to them. Well, and let's think about this. I have to imagine that 
it did not take Mihawk long to finish his battle with the Marines who came to apprehend him. They so should, he, yeah, they should have sent. They, they sh, it's like if you're taking on, it's like buggy, understandable. Um, Mihawk. Um, no, no, I, uh, I like. Uh, I, I'm gonna throw out some examples. So buggy, understandable, and understandable target. They just send. They, you know. They send out whomever. He he ran because he knew he couldn't deal with, with anyone they were uh, throwing after him. Boy, Hancock had been more of a challenge. Probably should have sent an admiral ladder. Mihawk. It's no, like the, the, strongest, the strongest swordsman in the world. It's like you needed an admiral minimum. Like, did to- you not like did you not see that he cut the glacier that um you know, who was it that made the? It's like made the glacier at at, at Marine Uh Who's who's uh, who's the former admiral? Oh uh, yeah, Alkiji. Yeah, Al, uh, yeah, Kiji made the glacier, and yeah, he and, cut and Mihawk, the glacier. Mihawk have that thing. It's like, did you not remember this particular thing about Mihawk before you sent some? Marines after him, so I'm Whoever almost wondering. Was, th- these this could not have been. This could not have been. Um, I forgot this, what. What? So, this could not have been Sakazuki's uh, mentality. Someone else lower on the totem pole had to have been sending those people out. Yeah, probably. Oh, and what's uh, what? What's the name of? Uh, um, I forgot who who's Newgate uh who's um Whitebeard's son supposed alleged son. Oh god. Is, is it Edward Weevil or Weevil New? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, Edward, Edward Weevil. Weevil. It's like okay, he's understandable. You know, send send you know send send the people out. Buggy, understandable. Send the people out. You could send some rear admirals out against those two, but Boa Hancock and Mihawk. They both participated. They should have been sending one admiral minimum. They really should have been realistically sending two admirals up against Mihawk. Take your two best, send them up against Mihawk, and then send the last one against Boa Hancock. That's what they really should have been doing. But here's my theory as to how maybe Buggy got out of his jam is that Mihawk finished off. Mihawk finished off the 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 uh the plebs that were sent after him and then he's like okay well time to go on a journey so he gets back into his little little dinghy. boat it's, yeah, it's, it's, little it's been officially called a dinghy so he gets into his dinghy and he's floating around and then miraculously <laughs> he, he he arrives to buggy's location and he's like oh okay i'm gonna take out all these marines here too and then buggy's like let's join hands and, uh, and of course, Mihawk doesn't have anything else to do, so it's like. Well, and here's 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 one thing I I kind of another thing I'm kind of curious. <clears throat> so, Mihawk is friends with Shanks, right? And it is common knowledge in the world, as long as you're paying attention to stuff, that Buggy and Shanks were both on Roger's crew, which means that Mihawk is privy to that information as well and he's 
probably might be a little bit too prideful to join with Shanks. But he's probably thinking that he could probably use Buggy to, you know, certain ends. So he's like, let's join forces, is what I Yeah, have to he think. he he has enough you know, he has enough mental acuity to know that from the beginning that Luffy was not someone to have ever been trifled with. He already knows this kid's got something special about him. So he, he he's yeah, he's too prideful to deal with Shanks because Shanks is is right. you know, it's mental has similar mental acuity, whereas Buggy is like, I can manipulate this guy. And I'm 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 wondering and again. The real, the real question is, how did Crocodile end up joining? It's yeah, so, it is possible that both Crocodile and Mihawk are using. Oh, definitely, they're both using buggy to their own ends. Yeah, but you know, and and probably, and the reason because of that is, is because Buggy probably has access to a lot of resources. He probably has access to. A lot of resources. Oh and, yeah, since it's like two years building up uh, Buggy's delivery service, and and let's so and, that was used as the base of Cross Guild, and it's it's possible that again, like I said, that um, uh, even though Crocodile's goal was to dissolve Baroque Works once he took over Alabasta, he probably still does have access to that network of um, uh, you know of all the uh, all the agents, the you know whoever front, because we we know that all the agents were were going to be loyal to the very end. Whether it was the whether it's what's left of the frontier agents, whether it's the you know the um I, I have no idea whatever happened to the unluckies. Did they join the um they joined the, the marines. officer agents? No, they joined oh, the marines. They, okay, they joined the marines. They were, um, you know were, the, what's left of the billions? What's left of the billions? Who are all? officer agent who are all who are all all baroque works eight uh members and were bounty hunters before that he still probably has access to that that network so that's that's basically the only people i could possibly think of that would be willing to go after marines is that you know he basically probably put a call out to his own network and said these these are bounties against marines because we all knew these people were were it's it's if they were part of Baroque works, they were already morally corrupt. Yeah, corrupt to begin with. So if they're gonna say go after these Marines, some of whom probably do not have any idea how bad the absolute justice of the Marines are. Cause let's let's face it, there are good people in the Marines. Just like there are good people who are pirates, like the the straw hats. So Anyway, this is this is definitely so. Yeah, three Shibukai have uh, bound together, and uh, I think. But also, I think that too. This would definitely make um, any kind of battle um, between factions a lot more intriguing. Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm almost wondering. So so I'm almost wondering. You gotta imagine that all the former Shibukai now are probably—they're probably gonna be making alliances, definitely. So Hancock will probably ally with someone. Who it is, I don't know. 
Well, it's well if if I if I'd be willing to bet money, I'd say Luffy. I don't think she because she she considers herself his lover. Well, even if he's... well, here's the thing, because Luffy's a Yonko now, he can claim that. Um, Amazon Lily. Yeah, he can claim Amazon Lily because he's definitely gonna claim Fishman Island, and you know he's got he's got people that are gonna fight for him at Fishman Island. He can claim Amazon Lily, and you know um, he'll definitely have people that are gonna back him up there. And um, I think also, and and the really interesting thing is how Barto's been kind of making dents. You know, he's been yeah. Kind the of, whole reason, the whole reason why uh, Shanks is is decided not to go to um, what's it called was because he needed to go to Barto first to uh, right. deal with Barto. So, which is going to be interesting because that's going to be the first engagement head to head between a member of the straw the the straw hat grand fleet, which is essentially Luffy's Yonko alliance, right, and the red hair pirates. So this is going to be the first engagement between the current set standard of the Yonko powers. Yeah. I really still think that there's probably still probably going to be some kind of alliance between. Oh, here's an idea. Two Yonko alliances, Shanks and Luffy versus Blackbeard and Buggy. I don't think Buggy would be open to it. Or black, I don't think. I, 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 in my opinion, I don't. I don't think if I don't think Blackbeard or Buggy would be open to allying with allying with each other. In my opinion. Well, the other thing but I'm thinking I, of is if they made if uh, Luffy, Shanks, and Buggy made a super alliance against Blackbeard. Blackbeard. Yeah. The other thing though is I don't think Shanks really wants to make alliance with Luffy. Because he's he still wants to go after the One Piece, and Luffy, I think, recognizes that in order to get to the One Piece, he's gonna have to defeat the other emperors because he he made that statement before. So you know he that means that he's prepared to fight Shanks when when the time comes. So I think though Shanks will Shanks will have a lot more implications to the story, but. Uh, I'm still trying to think of how in the world a battle like that would happen. Yeah. It's and I'm honestly thinking, is are one of the two gonna hesitate? Cause we'll see. Cause think, here, here's how I would envision Luffy hesitating is he somehow gets um a shot against Shanks, but it's on his left side, the Oh, and then the trauma of that event. Yeah, and it's like if he has a flashback and he just hesitates for one minute. The only other situation is Shanks having, I don't know if it would be like a kill shot or a devastating shot, and him having a flashback of young Luffy. I, or maybe both happening at, uh, during the battle. All right, Matthew. Well, that was definitely. Or 
or or maybe or maybe they or maybe they have those moments but they don't hesitate yeah so anyway matthew we'll we'll need to close out this episode so matthew where where can our uh our audience find us on uh on our for our podcast episodes well let's see uh our uh you said you connected the the um youtube to the and the the what's it called um, I, I need to still do that okay we're, well we're, uh we're, once once you, once you do that uh well okay so currently we are on um youtube rumble um uh, for the video podcast we're on youtube rumble and then once you connect it, um, yeah, we're gonna sync Odyssey also. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll sync we'll, Odyssey. And we'll look at um, some other And for the audio podcast, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And then we also do have a presence on Twitter, although we haven't been kind of active on it recently. But our plan is to try and use Twitter to reach out to some uh, possible uh, individuals to interview because we would like to. Uh, do that as part of our format going forward for the for the podcast. So uh, you can find us on Twitter also at uh, Sambros. I think is the at Samurai Brothers. I think is the. I think it's at Samurai Bros. Yeah. It might be at the Samurai Bros. Uh, just to make sure of uh for now. Yeah, so we are at the Samurai Bros. So make sure that you follow us there. And then uh, Matthew is uh, he runs MMA Freak. So uh, make sure to follow him at Matthew Salzer on Twitter. Uh, the MMA Freak uh, official Twitter is at MMA Freakout. And then the uh, website you can visit at uh, MMA Freak.com. And then uh, I do plan on putting out some uh, content going forward uh, as long as time allows me to. Uh, obviously, we don't we do not do this full time. We do this because we just love to talk about sports and um, Japanese culture and um, manga and anime. And so uh, we're hoping that we can make some more fun stuff, more fun content going forward. Yep. And stay tuned to my personal YouTube channel. I will be putting stuff out primarily related to Microcon, but also I do need to put the stuff out for our uh, family trip to Hawaii. And uh, then uh, that should take me probably into October, at which point I'll be doing some. Uh, I always try to do something Halloween-themed every year, so I'll be doing some uh, so, some stuff there. All right. So uh, once again, Matthew, thank you for your for your insightful commentary and uh, to all our audience members. I uh, hope you have a great rest of your week and we will be talking to you again soon.